It's amazing that the Holy Father God entrusts you and me to represent him as the church. Is that not insane? Think of how messed up every one of our individual lives are. And everybody has something messed up in their life. But yet, the Father God, holy, there is none like you, trust you and me to represent him to the world, an unbelieving world. So what is the church? It's you. It's me. It's everyone who claims to be a follower of Jesus with all of our stories and backstories and secrets and closet sins and public sins together combined as one giant spiritual family representing Jesus under the banner of his grace. That blows my mind that he chooses you and me to represent him. What is church? Last week, Derek um, shared this amazing story of what is church. He started out with the question, what is church? We've been asking that question since the first Sabbath of January. What is church? And we are on this journey trying to discover what church is, and we're also going to discover what church is not. And i got to be honest, when Derek was telling me a little bit of the background of his sermon that he was about to preach, and he says, I'm going to go on Google and I'm going to read some reviews from churches local, and I'm going to share that with the group. I got a little panicky because I have never personally... This is a confession. I've never personally checked Google reviews for Forest Lake Church. Never. Have you? See, when you're about to go to a restaurant, you open up your app, Yelp, or whatever it is that you do, and, 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 or, or you, you search nearby restaurants, and the first thing that you do is you look at how many stars, right? And you typically don't say, ah, there's a one-star restaurant. Let's hit that one up. Because I'm really into intestinal Russian roulette. And we're just going to try it out. You typically don't look for restaurants with one star. But I don't think that you came today, there might have been one or two of you, that did a little Google review and looked at our church and noticed, oh, looky there. That's a four-and-a-half-star church. I think I'll go. How many of you did that this morning? I just want to see if there's one hand. Don't be brave. Be bold. Just like Isaiah was saying, be bold. Not one of you. But that's, we don't do that for restaurants. And what's interesting is I read all 100 Google reviews of the Forest Lake Church. All 100. Some of them just put the stars and no comment, but I read every single comment. 
And we are a four and a half star church according to Google review. And I know that some of you right now are probably looking up our Google review. And if you notice, there's 100, only 100. And out of that 100, there are five people who rated us three stars or less. That's probably where the half comes from, four and a half. A Popka church down the street is five stars solid. So you chose the wrong church today. You chose the wrong church today because that's a five-star church. We're only four and a half stars. So it's interesting because we also want to be very vulnerable in defining what the church is not. And Derek did this amazing thing where he had you text in um, what has been your church experience here. And there was 12 of you that sent in a text, and I've got them all here, that has your name on it too. I'm going to read, and I'm just kidding. It doesn't have your name on it. But 12 people texted something about this church that it's areas of growth. I'll just put it that way. It's a nice way of saying it's areas to grow. And so out of those 12, there were nine of you that wrote in a text and it all revolved around the need and the longing for community. Nine of you. One person just texted this, stranger. In other words, they feel like a stranger. Too many clicks. That was somebody in this room last week said there's too many clicks here. Another person in this room says it's hard to connect with people here. Unless you're in the it group, you're not seen. That was their experience here last week. The church is so big, and I felt so small. Now, 27 of you wrote in all of these positive things. And the majority of that 27 all felt like they were a part of a family and a community. All positive feedback was 27 of you. But 12 of you didn't have that experience. And nine of you felt lonely in a big church. Now, if you've been in any area of leadership in my youth ministry, there's one phrase that I always tell you. I would rather be accused of being, are anybody in here? What is it? Psychotically friendly, yeah? I'd rather be accused of being psychotically friendly as a church than be accused of being stuck up. I mean, wouldn't that be a great review? Somebody gave us low reviews because I'm never going back to that church again. They're psychotically friendly. They are so friendly, there is no way. They are weird. You won't get a review like that. And here's the thing. If we get negative reviews in any way, shape, or form, unlike a restaurant, you're not a restaurant. But like a church, you are the church. It reflects every single one of us. And so if there are people coming into this room and they're leaving without feeling a connection to the person that's three rows behind, and you only hang out with the people that you're with, 
and you don't try to go out of your way to connect, then that reflects all of us. And that's huge. That's a jagged pill to swallow. But you know what? What is church is what we're trying to define. And when somebody leaves lonely, even if it's one person, that is not church. And we're not perfect. But we're going to strive for whatever God calls this church to be. So as we continue to explore this idea of church, I, I had this thought when, when Derek was sharing this Google review concept. And I had this thought of what if Jesus showed up and experienced everything that there was to experience at the Forest Lake Church warehouse community and, and, and came... And what if he sat in front of a computer and gave us a Google review? How many stars would Jesus give us? Chew on that, man. That's a tough one right there. Because then you start thinking of absolutely everything and in all of his sermons and all the things that he said to his disciples and all the things that he challenged us with. And you have to say, are we replicating that? What would Jesus review this church as? Would it be five-star, four-and-a-half-star, three-star? It's an interesting thought because we are still seeking to understand what we must do in this community in order to become that five-star church reviewed by God. So we're continuing in the book of Acts, and the reason why we're in the book of Acts because that is where the church started that we know of. And what we're trying to do is go through this um, early church movement to see, okay, what are the things that we can learn from them that we can apply to us as we continue to define what is church? And we're, we're at the end of Acts and, and this is a group of disciples and other people, 120 total, and they are in a space, and they have a major decision to make. And so this is where we start. We start in Acts chapter 1, verse 14. And I want you just to notice this element that is often overlooked, often ignored, neglected, disregarded. Just listen to the experience of verse 14 of Acts chapter 1. They all joined together constantly in prayer. Let's just stop right there. They all joined together. Well, who was the all? The rest of it says, along with the women and the Mary, mother of Jesus and Jesus's brothers, they all joined together constantly in prayer. Does your church, and you are the church, a part of the church, part of the body of Christ, replicate this scenario? When was the last time 
you came together with a group of people to be constantly in prayer. Think about the people. I'm going to make you uncomfortable here for a second. Think about the people that you're hanging out with right now, that you're sitting next to, that you go to school with, that you work with. When was the last time you came together for a season of constant prayer? Here we understand it that they were there for 10 days. But just a season of prayer, you know, this Easter, this, past, this uh, last Tuesday at staff meeting, we're actually talking about Easter weekend. And one of the things that we discussed is having a period of 24 hours of constant prayer in our church. Be looking for that. We don't sure where the space is, but in small groups of people, people will be able to sign up for one hour out of the 24 hours to have a season of constant prayer with a group of other people. But do you feel that this is like kind of a neglected thing that the early church did? Are we replicating that? It's a challenge for us that we should replicate that. The power of church comes when prayer happens. You will find that out when we get to Acts chapter 2 and the Holy Spirit starts dropping tornado wind bombs of fire on top of everybody. But it started with prayer. And then it continues that they're praying constantly and then in those days, verse 15, in those days, Peter stood among the believers. And then here's how we know how many people are, are there that are counted. A group numbering about 120. And he said, brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. Now, Peter's words reflect early church's commitment to both the infallibility and the inspiration of Scripture. It had to be fulfilled. And it was that which the Holy Spirit spoke. So now we're seeing two things that are significant about the early church that should be replicated. Constantly in prayer, that's a major focus. And the Word of God is a powerful and guiding tool that is useful for what is about to emerge in the early church life. Prayer, word of God, right off the bat. And then verse 17, it says, uh, Peter continues, he was one of our number and he shared in our ministry. Here's the crazy thing about that. We typically read straight through that and we don't, we don't think that there is pain in Peter's voice. But I just wonder, have you ever been betrayed or somebody made a choice with somebody that you have worked with intimately, where you have done life with and journeyed with, and all of a sudden, their choices affected a lot of people? And not only was the cross and seeing their Savior crucified and tortured. Not only was that pain enough, but the add to that pain was the betrayal that they felt from Judas's choice. 
And so I'm, I'm just imagining that when Peter was talking, there was pain in that statement that he just made in verse 17. And then in verse 18, this is kind of a commentary that Luke kind of inserts commentary here. This is not Peter talking, but Luke says, With the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong, this is kind of disgusting, his body burst open and all of his intestines spilled out. It's kind of visual. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called that field in their language Akaldema. That is, field of blood. I don't know if you know Max Lassel. A couple weeks ago, he read this. He sent me a text, and he says, he says, Pastor Mark, have you ever read this before? And I was like, yeah, it's pretty crazy, right? And he said, man, listen. He says, field of blood. That sounds like a good name for a death metal band. It really does. It's a spilled intestines. But that is an intense, a really intense verse. But that was inserted by Luke. And Judas, he, he suffered a terrible fate, which is hardly worth the 30 pieces of silver that he received. And then Peter continued to build his message, and he quotes Scripture. He quotes two verses from the Psalms, Psalm 69 and Psalm 109. In verse 20, he says, for, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalm, may his place be deserted. Let there be no one to dwell in it. Crazy that that's said in Psalm, right? May another take his place of leadership. And then here's the big decision that had to be made. Verse 21. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time that the Lord Jesus was among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time that Jesus was taken from us. For one of these must become a witness with us with his resurrection. In other words, from John the Baptist's time all the way to his ascension, Jesus' ascension. That was what was required. And in verse 23, crazy stuff starts to happen here. They nominated two men with that prerequisite. That, that was what was required. Two men. There was others there, but they nominated two. Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, first time that word's ever, apostolic has ever been used, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they did something crazy. They did this thing called casting lots, which is an Old Testament, Old Testament method. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell on Matthias. So he was added to the 11 apostles. So neither of these men are ever spoken of again in the New Testament. You don't see anything else about Matthias and Justice. And nothing more is said, but what we do know is that we, we believe that church tradition, um, historians, smart guys that can follow this stuff, church tradition has it that Matthias went to Ethiopia. I guess he heard there was good coffee there, Rob. And he went to Ethiopia. And then they say that he was buried in Germany. And so we hear nothing more about the new 12th disciple. 
except this moment right here. And the way that he was chosen was casting of the lots. Could you imagine? We're going to talk about casting the lots here. This is a big decision, right? We're looking for a new senior pastor. Know where I'm going with this? Looking for a new senior pastor. Well, let's just take all these names that have been suggested. Let's throw them in this big bucket, swirl them around and say, Lord, you know their hearts. I mean, it'd make conference life, it'd make Rob, it'd make your life a lot easier, make Lars's life a lot easier, who's heading this committee up, if that's the method that we continue doing. But this is the last place in all of Scripture, this was not meant for the contemporary church, because this is the last place in all of Scripture that we see the church making a decision based off a bucket of casting lots. The last place. We don't see it again. My hunch is this, that after the Holy Spirit shows up in the next chapter, or a couple hours later, or a couple days later, however it happens, then at that moment, that is what guides the decision process. That's just my hunch. No way of proving that really, but that's just, I'm guessing. And so that was not meant for the contemporary church decision-making. It would be a lot easier if it still was that way, right? In fact, when I first read this, I was a sophomore in college. And at the time, I had not met my wife. And there was, you know, here's the thing. If you've ever gone to Southern and you watched students of theology, religion students roaming around, they were the weird dudes on campus. You know, they had a belt loop of Greek words that they had to come up with and memorize, and they were kind of nerdy. But all the women on the campus knew, stay away from them because they're just looking for a wife. That's partly true. And, and so I can remember reading this for the first time, and there was a girl that I sort of liked. And I'm like... That's what I need to do. And I didn't put a bucket full of different names, but there's one girl that we were hanging out, and I thought, hey, Lord, you know her heart. <laughs> and I had three N's and three Y's. And I swirled it around, and I'm like, you know her heart, Lord, please. And I drew names. I mean, drew an N. No. That makes sense. I, I did that three times, and it was three no's, by the way. So here's the crazy thing is, it's not meant for the contemporary church, but for some reason the Lord was working through that casting lot system because he knew no, no, and no. Because Deborah's the one. No. This one's definitely no. Yeah, they, that's a plot. Thank you, Deborah. So... Now, what I didn't tell you is that she casted lots for me, so there's, there's just this backstory. I know you didn't. So, here's a couple of implications about this text that we need to start to think about as we discuss what is church. So, this passage of Acts 1 sets the stage for Acts chapter 2. And listen carefully. 
Whether or not the disciples knew in Acts 1, the apostles' first role was to lay the foundation for crucial leadership structure. Before the Holy Spirit dropped atomic Holy Spirit bombs, they had to make a decision for crucial leadership infrastructure to organize. Because what they didn't know at the time is when the Holy Spirit did show up, Peter would stand up and preach again, and all of a sudden, 3,000 people would be baptized that single day. Bam! Done. So they had to organize. And they didn't know that. They weren't aware of that. But 3,000 were added to their number just a couple days after this. But that crucial leadership structure had to take place. And as we get into these rhythms and as we get into understanding what is church, there is various roles that will emerge. And some come in the place of leadership and some come in the place of support. And so we're not going to get into Ephesians today, but Ephesians opens this door of all of these different roles in the church. And there's roles that are apostles, there's prophets, there's preachers, there's teachers, and there's all sorts of other roles and support roles in the church. There's even hospitality. There's all these different deacons, and, and he starts to discuss, and Paul starts to discuss what all these roles are. And we will continue to get into that, but we have to develop a structure here and now. So three things that we walk away with today. The church was constantly in prayer. So what is church? A church is a church that is constantly in prayer. There are seasons of prayer that happen. The church finds it valuable to do what? The word of God. That has to be, Peter was quoting scripture as they were praying. And then the leadership structure and the role of every person was incredibly important. So let me ask you this. Some of you have been lifelong, lifelong churchgoers. Or lifelong Adventists. And I want you to ask yourself this question. What is my role in the church? As part of the body of Christ, what is my role? And there are many roles in the church, leadership roles, support roles, and each blessed by God. And every single one of you have been gifted to fulfill a specific place as part of the church that reflects Jesus to the world. So what is your role right now? And this question might be tough for some of you to answer because I'm going to tell you this, and this is going to sound a little harsh, but this is, the church is not a place where you show up 
and attend a service and then go about your week. Am I clear on that? The church is not a place where you just come and show up one hour out of 168 hours a week. This is what the church is. The church is a place where you discover your God-given gifts that activate you into Holy Spirit action. That's the church. The temptation is to come here because this is a new thing. And oh, we love the music. Preaching, eh, but the music's amazing. And so you just show up. But we're going to be calling you to action. That's part of your spiritual duty as a follower of Jesus is to discover how God has shaped you to find out what your role is and to be activated by the Holy Spirit to pursue that role. That's what you're to do. So there's some of you old timers. Andrea's been doing my slides. I've been going. Alejandra, I think I saw here earlier. Seba. We've been going to Catalyst for how many, I mean, years. Back when Pastor Danny was here, we were going to Catalyst. It's a leadership conference that we went to for years. And for all the years that I used to go, I had a Catalyst conference journal filled with quotes that inspired and challenged me. And this was a quote I was flipping through it the other day that, that I wrote in Sometimes I don't write who quoted what, but I wrote the initials A-S. My assumption that that was Andy Stanley. Here's a quote that I wrote down. He says, your potential for ministry in life is determined by your priority. I'll read that again. Your potential for ministry in life is determined by your priority. When you put the right thing in first, it's amazing what God might do through you. Isn't that crazy? Where's your priority? What is your role? So here's a challenge I want to give you guys. This is not for everybody. There's some of you right now in this space that you just need healing. Because you've had some crazy stuff happen into your life recently. This is not a challenge for you because we want you to be restored. Continue coming. Continue letting us pour into you. If you can't sing, we will sing for you. If you can't raise your hands, we will hold your hands up for you. But this is a challenge for those of you who've been a long time members and you sneak in and you sneak out and you attend and you have not found your God-given role yet. So there's a number that I want to text, that I want you to text. Everyone say 94,000. 94,000. How many zeros does that have? All right, there you go. You sent that text earlier if you're a first timer or if you're new to this community. But what you're going to do is you're going to text, I want 
to serve. I want to serve. Know that by doing that, you've just felt a prompting by the Holy Spirit. Don't let me guilt you into it. I mean, my mom's Puerto Rican. She, know, she is number one star of guilt trips. Trust me, I know. And you ask my dad, I can give pretty good, good ones too. I'm about halfway there, not as skilled. So don't let me guilt you into this. This is a matter of prayer between you and God saying, I feel something moving in here that I need to take this next step of faith and I want to serve. In some capacity, I want to serve. And you may not know where you want to serve, which is why when you do, I want to serve, you'll receive a text that basically just gets your name, email, as soon as you do that, you're going to receive another text. That other text is a link. And that link is to help you discover what your God-given spiritual gifts are. There's 16 of them in Scripture. And if you've never taken this before, some of you already know, oh, I'm pretty good at this. I mean, these guys are using their spiritual gifts right now. They're using their spiritual gifts. Those greeters that you saw in, those crazy people out in the parking lot, they were using their gifts. Malcolm, who's been overseeing a lot of those um, uh, crazy kids that were helping out today, he's using his gifts. Isaac and the AV team, they're using their gifts. But then that's just one hour. Where do you utilize those gifts throughout the week? How are you reflecting Jesus? What is your role as part of the body of Christ? So when you say, I want to serve, you're saying, I want to discover how God has designed me to serve at a certain capacity. Please don't text that number out of guilt. Text that number text that phrase to that number I want to serve only if you feel the Holy Spirit prompting you to do that because we will follow up with you not right away but we will follow up with you but first step take that time to discover what God has shaped you to be I want to pray for you Father God in the name of Jesus I pray that the Holy Spirit will go and invade every heart and mind in this space. As some are exploring this idea of, well, what is church and what is my role? Don't let them hide from anything, Lord. And there's some here that may have been hurt and there's some mistrust in the church. Or maybe there's some here that are feeling lonely. Lord, I don't know what the story is, but wherever we see missing pieces of what the church is, it is an opportunity for us to go and fix those problems. And so I pray, Lord, that in this time, in this space, your Holy Spirit will speak to the right people right here, right now, to step forward and say, I want to serve. 
to glorify the Father God, to reflect who Jesus is to the world and to my community. I pray that in the name of Jesus.